Welcome to the AI Hustle Podcast, the podcast where we break down the latest in AI news, tools, and interview experts helping you hustle and do more using AI. If you've been following the podcast for a while, you'll know that over the last six months, I've been working on a stealth AI startup. Of the hundreds of projects I've covered, this is the one that I believe has the greatest potential. So today I'm excited to announce AI Box. AI Box is a no-code AI app building platform paired with the App Store for AI that lets you monetize your AI tools. The platform lets you build apps by linking together AI models like ChatGPT, MidJourney, and Eleven Labs eventually will integrate with software like Gmail, Trello, and Salesforce so you can use AI to automate every function in your organization. To get notified when we launch and be one of the first to build on the platform, you can join the waitlist at AIbox.ai. The link is in the show notes. We are currently raising a seed round of funding. If you're an investor that is focused on disruptive tech, I'd love to tell you more about the platform. You can reach out to me at jaden at AIbox.ai. I'll leave that email in the show notes. Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today on the podcast, we have the pleasure of being joined with Steve Wasak. Steve is an incredible entrepreneur, um, founder, and he's going to be telling us a little bit about what he is currently building. Thanks so, so much for coming on the show today with us, Steve. Hey, Jane, thanks so much for having me. Would you mind telling everyone a little bit about your background and about your company? Yeah, I think I have a, a little bit of a strange background for a tech founder. I, I was actually in my third year of law school at Northwestern when I had this idea for a uh, sort of like fantasy sports newsletter, Okay, um, which I thought we could do sort of using automated technology. And I started working on it like in my free time and I quickly sort of realized, hey, like this basic technology could be used for all sorts of applications, like finance or medicine. Anytime you have a big data set that's complicated and people will sort of want a synthesis, like a quick update of what's going on, uh, we could use this technology. So instead of, you know, becoming a lawyer, I raised a little bit of money and started this company called InfoSentience back in 2012. Okay. And yeah, so that's my background. It's like, and I, I just took computer programming in high school. Uh, yeah. and just kind of kept up on it a little bit, but it's more the, what, what I'm doing or what the company has been doing is pretty brand new. So there's not like, oh, I missed this class in comp sci, you know, when mm -hmm. I was going to school there, it's like, there is no class on it. You're all just, you're just kind of making up stuff and it's all based off of logic and narratives and things like that, that actually my background, which is I, I had like an English degree undergrad and then a lot of okay. it's like. Hey, it's like you, I think it's the combination of like English stuff, logical thinking, and then like the actual computer technology stuff. It's like all three of those. So it's like, I had a background in two. And so I don't feel like I necessarily missed out. Like if I would you know, just done comp sci or something, I feel like I would have missed out on some difficult things like that you have to deal with, like in terms of like just having good writing, you know what I mean? So yeah, I think, um, it's a, it's a little bit of a different background, but for what I'm doing what the company's been doing it's kind of just as good as any anything else yeah for sure well that's really interesting so you know coming to the, the present day now you're running info sentience would you mind telling everyone a little bit about the core problem that you're solving for info sentience how ai plays into that and kind of what you're doing yeah i think the core problem is just data overwhelm right like so we've had all these tools that have grown that have allowed people to store so much more data than we ever had before but the tools to analyze that data haven't necessarily kept pace. So there's tons of companies, organizations out there that have 
tremendous amount of data. Sometimes it's in different silos. Sometimes it's in different formats, but they'd love to get analysis of that, especially analysis at scale. So as an example, you know, our first product was, was in the fantasy sports space, which is something that we still do for CBS sports. And for people who are unfamiliar with fantasy sports, it kind of works like a stock portfolio. You sort of pick a group of players that you think are going to be better than some other group of players, but every single person's portfolio is unique, mm -hmm. right? And has millions of players. So you can't cover that with human beings, right? Like right. It's, it's impossible. So that's a situation where our software comes into play, looks at all the data, tries to figure out what's most interesting, and then writes up a report that's like reads just like a human being wrote it, that's compelling, that offers insight, that's different from week to week, uh, just like you know you would get if you had a, a human being just covering your fantasy sports league. Right. So that's, yeah, so that's what was our first product, but all of our other products are similar, right? Where it's mm. just like, People have a lot of data. Like we have, we, we work with the Chicago Mercantile Exchange to analyze all their commodity data. We work with medical companies, uh, retail companies, right? Where it's like, you've got a hundred products that are out, right? And they're all moving every single day, right? And they're, they could all be distilled down to different uh, regions or different product groups or like different, there's different metrics, right? It's not just sales, it's like mm -hmm. returns and dis discounts and all sorts of things, right? So you have all these metrics of all these products moving every single day. And the question is, how do you get a handle on that? Right. And right now the answer is typically, oh, okay. At the end of the month, we kind of talk about it, or maybe we meet with certain teams once a week. Right. Our system, it's like, all right, do you want a daily report? Do you want it updated every hour? Do you want it focused on a particular, particular top, whatever breakdown you want? Like I want a report on, you know, the U S West region, these types of products over the last three days give me that report, like distilled, right? Like the most mm -hmm. important things in that information. Cause you can kind of do some of that with pivot tables. Yeah. But that sure. is, it's not going to give you the context, right? It's not going to yeah. say like, Oh, here's exactly what was driving it. Or here's how it fits mm -hmm. into, you know, the last month or the last year, or like what changed in this three days. That's like yeah. making this difference. So that's all the type of stuff that a good human analyst can do. And we can impart all that intelligence into our software so that, it basically can work the same. Very cool. So how does, you know, AI play a role in what you guys are doing today or what you guys plan on doing in the future? Honestly, we, we took a different tack than I think most companies did when, when we started. Um, and certainly most companies now, which like everything is like LLMs, right? So we don't use LLMs. Okay. Our system is non-probabilistic. Non we use what we call conceptual automata, which is basically taking all the events that a human analyst would look at and mm -hmm. breaking them down into their subcomponents and then putting the intelligence as like the modeling sort of intelligence on those subcomponents. And mm -hmm. then they have sort of the ability to self-assemble into a larger narrative. So I'll give you an example, you know, first from sports, for instance, like you have the concept of a team, mm -hmm. right? And you can put a bunch of intelligence and sort of modeling and hierarchy stuff information on that. And then you have the concept of a team winning a game, mm -hmm. right? That's like an event. And then you have a concept of a streak, right? Which could be for sports or it could be anything else. It's really just like an event taking place again and again over time. Well, you can put all those together and now you have like a team on a winning streak, right? But like when you assemble those together, that grouping now has all the, can grab all the like intelligence that's on just like the concept of a streak. Like for instance, what, what do I, uh, to avoid, let's say repetition, Right. You know, it means like, okay, well, some different team is on a streak or maybe they're on a losing streak. Right. So that's a different 
constantly, but there's still an element of repetition to that. It's like, is that really the best story to follow up? Or you have a situation where if you say, hey, this team's on a losing streak, and then the next story is the team team is on a winning streak, you're going to write that up differently. It's like you have to say, like, however, or something. You might have to have a transition because these are substantively the same story, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's just a very simplified example. But the, the idea is that human beings are really, really good at just adding a bunch of concepts together and seeing how they all interact. But that's something that traditionally computers have not been very good at. Yeah. And the problem is because the number of interactions starts to get really crazy as you, you know, add more and more things together. And so the solution that we found to get around that again is to kind of put the intelligence on the low level mm-hmm. so that all of these things can, you know, you can kind of put it, put it in this big soup of concepts and they can all kind of like communicate with each other, kind of like what neurons would do in, in a human brain. Um, and so that has been sort of what, what we've used traditionally now these LLM tools are obviously like pretty amazing. So um, cool. we're certainly exploring how we can integrate some of what we're doing with with LLMs. But obviously, they currently right now kind of struggle with data, struggle with logical right. operations. I mean, they can do them, but it's not that they're forte, right? And and some of the things that we're doing, which are really sort of complicated analytics, particularly around, um, let's say, proprietary data, where there's not like a corpus of text that's talking about how this is you know being analyzed that's something where you know llms at least as of right now are not particularly good at at uh at solving problems right and they also have like solutions which you were about to right debugability i mean there's all sorts of things where if you're doing like what we're doing with the cme where we're taking in 50 gigabytes of data and instantly sort of giving analysis to it that's like on every single topic yeah um, that's just not something that LLMs are particularly good at right now. Yeah, and this is so interesting because, you know, of course, I talk to a lot of people uh, integrating AI into their companies and LLMs are kind of the hot thing everyone's talking about and doing right now. This is really interesting um, because, you know, it would appear that you're you're doing this in a little bit of a, a unique approach to other people. I, I wonder, is this because when you kind of started, right, you, you said you got this company kicked off back in 2012. This is because when you started, I mean, obviously LLMs weren't, uh, kind of this big thing. It, it wasn't this possibility. So do you see um, that shifting a lot for you in the future? Or do you think, you know, this kind of current approach that you have is one that's going to be the winner long term, right? Other companies might be looking at this. They're, they're debating, like, should we come up with something more like what you've done? Or should we come up with something that's more uh, LLM focused? Where do you kind of see this going in the future? I don't know. I mean, I think emerging is is probably the right way to do it, like between the two technologies, that's what we're trying to do, because I think that there are pretty clear strengths and weaknesses of both of them. I mean, in the long term, who knows? You know what I mean? Like, it's like the, the LLMs are so, so, some of the things that they do are so extraordinary and so indicative of like really high level intelligence. And I feel like so much money is getting poured into them. So where they, yeah, I means there are, there's going to be improvements inevitably eventually. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, maybe 10 years from now, it's all LLMs, right? Like between yeah. the efficiency and the, but 10 years is a long time. You know what I mean? Sure. So it's like, and the other thing is the way that we really see our technology is, is if we're partnering with a, with a client or, you know, potentially maybe if we were ever to get bought out or something, it's like, we, we do view our technology as a really big accelerant, right? So it's yeah. like, we, we can do some things right now that LLMs can't do. So even eventually if like, let's say we got bought out and then six years from now or something like our technology isn't being used anymore 
Mm-hmm. It's like the fact that we were able to provide that service, right, for these clients, right? Because there's so many things beyond the LLMs. It's just like, right, pulling down data. Are you trustworthy? Like, do we, you know, like, do we think that you're a good person to work with? And 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 you've sort of like figured out like the, the things that are particular to our use case that are really valuable and how to deliver it and all these other things that like are not necessarily really going to be working with LLMs, like just the pure data analysis part of it is only a subcomponent. Yeah. And so we do think that regardless of whether our technology is like going to be used in the long term, it's like it can definitely do things that LLMs can't do right now. And so we're trying to just build up that client list and build up those relationships, right? With different companies in a bunch of different verticals to say like, look, at least right now, this is the technology. And as the LLMs get better, you know, we intend on incorporating that as much as we can. Right. And, um, because it, yeah, so, so exactly how they're merged. I don't know. We're still like early on in that. Right. Yeah. We do think that like using our technology and LLMs, we definitely think that there's a, a space for it. Yeah. And I also think that, you know, what you're doing is, is quite, uh, is, is quite good because obviously there's a lot of people right now that are struggling with the whole data aspect of the LLMs. Um, you know, there's there's different workarounds or there's plugins where people are trying to integrate things to help their LLMs do better with data or math or other things. But like, it's not, you know, the core yeah. competency of chat GPT, for example. Um, and so, you know, having this built out your own way is, uh, is a really good move. What would you say is one of the hardest challenges that you guys have kind of overcome or are, you know, grapple with in in this whole business and industry? I think just the the specificity of data, you know, I mean, this is something that companies deal with all the time where it's even internally, right? Where it's hard to even within an organization have the same types of data, the same consistency of um, of data, right? Where it's like, so this organization does this or this organization does that. Or then also like Debbie in accounting has the her spreadsheet where she does this one cup subcomponent. And so for our system, which is all based off of structured data, ultimately, right, we have to ingest it and um do so in a way that's that's pretty consistent and so a lot of times what happens too because because our system is really good at at essentially finding unique pieces of information and and like and and essentially like we might have 200 different modules of of analytics that are being run it's like they're all run at the same time and so what ends up happening a lot of times when we work with a company is that we'll find the errors in their data or like the missing parts of their data, right? Which they weren't even aware of because he was even looking at it, right? Right. Now that we're doing a deep dive, you know, it's like, oh, do you know that this actually, you know, nobody puts a date, you know, for this data here. So you can't actually put it into like a time series. A lot of things like that are really difficult. So a lot of times we'll talk with a company and we'll come up with like a plan. And then a lot of times once we actually get into the data, it's a lot more complicated and and then some some of those things you can fix by having better data but other things it requires us to really put in a lot of effort to have the near the like the analytics side of the engine being much more flexible right to take into account like oh okay sure there's these 10 things but some of them are going to be weighted really differently or so you know it's like all these things that are again for human beings it's not that hard but like when you get into uh piece of software have having this type of human analyst type flexibility being like oh yeah that's the way it is 90 percent of the time but then this other 10 percent of time you kind of have to flip how you're viewing you know these right. 10 products or something or this is like 
this is Christmas time. So actually like these numbers are very different during this time only. And, and, mm -hmm. or we do this, this is our year end something, something, whatever it is. <clears throat> a lot of times there's these little quirks in the data that if you're going to have a really solid narrative that people can really use, you're going to have to take all these little quirks into account. Yeah, that uh, does sound like a challenge. Um, tell me about what your thinking is from from kind of a, a broad, a, a high level, right? There's a lot of people. Obviously, this is something that for I would say for the mainstream is a is a kind of a new concern, right? As of ChatGPT, as of this year. But obviously, the the issue is has been around for ten years. There's a lot of people that are very concerned. Like, you know, AI, for example, is going to take the job of a data analyst. Um, you know, some sort of software technology. Uh, that you're building is going to you know take someone's job. What what is your what are your what's your thinking? What's your response to to people that might have some sort of concerns in this area? I mean, definitely the software we have right now is not going to take over everybody's job. Um, again, like an LLM that can really just analyze any data set just sort of spontaneously and no matter the size and come up with narratives and visualizations and everything. I mean, that's. At some point, yeah, that maybe probably does cause a lot of problems. I mean, I would just say like what we do right now, for instance, with CBS, where we actually write articles on the NBA, the NFLs, you know, all these different live sports leagues, right? Which, huh. um, but they haven't really taken over any human jobs. It's more just like they're still writing like the preview for the Super Bowl, for instance. Like it's mm -hmm. not being done by our system, right? Like, but, you know, some random, you know, mid-atlantic conference basketball game on tuesday it's like well they didn't have a reporter that was writing a bunch of content about that game right right so it's like we're sort of filling in the gaps i guess to a little extent like they've relied on our system to cover games that they might have had a human being cover a little bit but i think the reporters in general are very happy to be doing something that's not like as rote or repetitious right right they're right. they're then doing stuff about like some interesting off-season trade or some sort of interesting statistical pattern or some sort of thing with the coaching or, you know, something that's, that's more unique than just like, here's the 500th preview of a basketball game that I've had to write this month. So at least right now where we sit in the value chain, like we're not, you know, we're not necessarily taking over from what analysts do. And even, even in like the business analytics side of things, like if it's like a quarterly report, like we're not going to do as good of a job as somebody who that's their whole thing is they just look at your company's data and they know everything that's going on. Right. Like, so that's not what we try to compete with. It's more just like, all right, but if you want a daily report that's going out to all of your salespeople and you have 300 salespeople, like that's just not going to happen with mm -hmm. human analysts. Right. But they might really have a lot of benefit from seeing like the different insights, right. That we can pull through mm -hmm. and deliver something specific for each person. Right. And so that's really where we see the value proposition of our technology. And I don't think, at least at this point, that that's something that's actually displacing existing human data. Yes. OK, that's interesting. So, you know, talking about, you know, you have kind of like some some automated articles and stuff generated talking about different um, different basketball games or different sports leagues or or different areas that, you know, there, there's probably just not enough firepower or bandwidth for a certain organization to cover. Right. How do you kind of handle the challenge of keeping this AI generated content, for example, engaging and not sounding mm -hmm. too robotic? Yes. I mean, that's a great question. And uh, I think we do a much better job than our competition in this area because we don't use like templates, right? Or what I call like the Mad Libs approach, which is just okay. like, hey, here's a narrative. We're going to fill it in with like these basic details. Right. 
And it's, it becomes pretty obvious when you're reading that, that you, that's what you're reading. Like, even though there's no like grammatical errors and it's like, it kind of reads fine, but it's just like, there's an aspect to it that's so rote and basic that you pick up on it really quick and it's, and it feels boring. Um, and using our system of conceptual automata where we have all these little pieces, basically what we do is we tell the system, Hey, figure out every single interesting thing that happened, like in, like in a sports game. Okay. Okay. There's might be like hundreds of things, right? right. And you kind of like rank order them and then give them the ability to sort of sort themselves out so, so that you can get the unique things that happen. Because in a template, the problem is you had to put in the template all the, the things that are bound to happen. Right. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. There was a best player. And mm-hmm. here's who they play next week, right? Like it's all this basic stuff. Uh-huh. But you're not going to put in like, oh, this is like a wild comeback and here's what happened. And, you know, all these different things are like, man, like this, you know, this team had one four straight in a row against this team, but now they came back and this is the first time. But well, all these different, like yeah. all the unique things are the things that are actually interesting. Yeah. Right? And so that's where if you have flexibility, you can surface those things, right? In such a way that, because that's what people respond to, right? And so they 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 can, um, you know, they can, really pick up on that i think very quickly that's that's super interesting and that's super smart again uh just coming up with the most interesting things and doing the ranking system and having that in there um yeah people definitely pick up nobody likes a template no one likes it to sound too robotic um and so like people will still really enjoy consuming that so that that's very interesting and they'll get great insights out of it as well yeah what what industries or sectors do you see benefiting the most from your technology that you're currently building whether that's one you're currently working on or some an area you see in the future I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully somebody can tell me. I I mean, we're in a lot of verticals right now and it's really hard to say. It's really hard to say because it's hard for us. This is another challenge that we face as a company is that we can look at industries or companies from outside and kind of have a guess of what data they might have, but, but the reporting needs are definitely different, different, right? Like, it's like, do you really need a daily report? Do you really need a report for all your salespeople every single day or every single week? that's where it's really difficult to know, you know, exactly Mm -hmm. when, when we can really have a value proposition that helps people is, is tricky to know from the outside. So our, our approach is kind of just scattershot of just like, all right, well, let's just talk to anybody. Um, and we have, you know, we have multiple companies in the finance vertical. We, we work, we have, you know, a medical client, we have a retail client, we have a marketing client, we have um, you know, journalists like CBS and some other folks, actually multiple folks in, in that space. So we just try to kind of talk to, talk to people and, uh, because we don't, uh, we don't know the answer to that question, honestly, yeah. like what would be like the best? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I think it's applicable in a lot of different areas, but talk to me about a couple different like case studies or success stories. Um, I mean, even just for people listening to this to kind of conceptualize some of the areas that you're, you're making some of this innovation. So like in finance, for example, what's, you know, what are people using this for in finance? Um, well, the, the big thing that we're do, using this for is with the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, which we we were doing sort of a, a demo product with them for a yeah. while, uh, uh, summarizing some different commodities in the agricultural space. Yeah. A Chicago Mercantile Exchange is the, the largest commodities trading firm in the world. So they do options and futures contracts around, you know, like soybeans and gold and interest rates, everything like you can kind of just like bet on it essentially. Okay. And um, what we're going to be doing for them, though, is something that I think really cool, which is basically taking all their commodity data and turning it into an always live, always correct web page. Okay. That's uh, 
that's basically looks like a sort of Yahoo Finance or Bloomberg uh, uh, web page, but everything is automatic. So everything that you see is like always up to date. So it's like you're seeing headlines and pictures and videos and narratives and everything on every single topic within the CME, but it's it's always sort of now, right? Or at least incredible. You're live. You're always seeing everything there that's now. And if something, for instance, if a commodity goes way up, and then it goes back down and now it's just back to, to even, right? It's like maybe that story disappears off the front page, mm -hmm. right? Because that's not the story, right? Which right. is not what happens on traditional normal. Yeah, it's like you have a yeah. crawl and like something's there and maybe it's hard to kind of say like, oh, this is what's happening with this stock because by the time somebody reads it, it might be something different, right? Uh, so that is actually yeah. very innovative and I absolutely, yeah. because I definitely hate clicking on like a, a, an article it was like this incredible thing happened and then you go check out the stock or whatever and it's like back to back and not yeah right yeah, yeah. but see now it's a different story though because now it's like hey it was up and now it gave back all its gains right like so it might still be on the front page but it's like the up-to-date version yeah. of that and so i think that it's and, and because we're providing so much content one of the things that we're gonna be able to do is what we call like this dive uh deep dive technology which is like anything that you're looking at you can kind of be like, oh, that's interesting. Give me more information just on that. And they'll like take you to like a new article that's just like focused on that particular topic. So I think that that'll be pretty cool. Um, yeah, you know, the thing we, we, we've done with CBS, which is our longest client, uh, you know, the fantasy sports, people really love it because they get this customized insight and those, uh, they get like an email every week. And those are like the highest open rate emails that CBS, you know, has of any email that they send out. Mm -hmm. Um, because people were like, it's it's just different because they're getting something that's just for that, yeah. right? Like nobody else is reading this. It's just yeah. it's this whole article. It's like 300 words with pictures and highlights. It's not possible a single person could service no, those no, customers no. with something custom. So yeah, that is really amazing. Yeah. So that's, I, I mean, I think that the the power of customization and again, this power of getting away from the robotic sounding template stuff, it's like when, when something when you can write something that really speaks to somebody and really gives them the information that they want to hear, that's unique to them, right? It's like, it's really powerful. And so like a lot of our, of our customers have, have experienced that and, um, and it's been, it's been fun to build. That's really interesting. What about, I think you mentioned like healthcare. What, how are you seeing this in, in like the healthcare space? Our healthcare stuff is pretty early on. I mean, the only client that we currently have um, is IU Health, which is which is like the largest uh, hospital group here in Indiana. Um, but basically, what we do for them is automated doctor bios. So they have bio biographies for their doctors, but you know, there's there's thousands of them. They're constantly coming and going. The data behind their bios is changing, right? Like they might change locations or specialties or all sorts of things. Um, and so what our system does is it takes all of their information, like their education, you know, whether they speak different languages and also one of the really cool things it does is like actually synthesizes patient reviews, right? So we like pull out some of like the key things and also, uh, include some, uh, like curated examples of, of new patient reviews, which is good for SEO, right? Cause the article is mm -hmm. kind of changing and updating. And so it's just been a way for them to, uh, really save a lot of time and actually a lot of times they just didn't even have a bio for doctors which is not good and um, people like to to read something about like a summary of who this doctor is and the medical history and if they have like publications like it can include that so it's pretty flexible um but we have a i mean we'd love to be able to do more stuff in in, in the medical space but it's tricky because of all the patient protections and obviously the 
the um it's very important to be correct right yeah, so if they can if you're doing like actual like diagnosis stuff so um so it's a little bit harder to to break into and we've had some good conversations but we haven't really done as much as we'd like to do in that space but uh, hopefully in the future we can do more so that yeah that is, that is interesting and definitely there's some nuances and challenges in that industry for sure i think a lot of people are grappling with those right now so nothing unique to you um I, so I saw, I, I believe it's on your website. There's a spot the bot challenge. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what, what kind of inspired that? What's been the feedback from users on that? I, 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 I mean, all everyone that's listening, what what that is. Yeah, basically, we just took a couple of of uh, data sets that and and looked at. Okay, here's what a human being wrote up on this particular data set, and here's what our system did. Right, using actually uh, a finance example and like a, I think it was like a. New York Giants game or something like that, where it's like, here's the AP report and here's our, what we wrote for CBS. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, we just started doing that at like trade shows kind of, we were just, we just actually printed out as like kind of a game just to get, okay. come over. And then it was like, oh, we should put this up on the website. And it's fun because people always, a lot of people comment on, they're like, I failed or something, you know, like they said, I didn't get it right. Um, and so it, it, it's, it's nice because it really does bring home this idea of like, Hey, this is, it, it's, it feels real. You know what I mean? Like, and, and again, it, this, it comes from picking up on some pretty subtle things in terms of like the structure of the narrative and the, the sort of uniqueness of what it's talking about. And it allows it to kind of, uh, hopefully in a, qu a very quick, easy way, get people to understand the the difference between what we do and, and maybe some of our simplistic solutions. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Um, so how many people are currently on your team? Uh, just five. We're small. Okay, that's awesome. A lean team. And you've yeah. been going for, you know, the, the company's over 10 years old now, right? Mm -hmm. So that's amazing. Um, what has been, yeah, how has that been in the process of kind of growing and scaling the team from early on? Were you the original, like, developer on this? Did you bring people on? How, how has that been? Yeah, I was the original developer, and then I brought in just one other person, and it was just that for, for quite a while. Uh, we've had a really sort of weird journey because we started off, we got CBS as a client right away, which was sort of a miracle. I don't know how the heck that happened looking back on it, but it happened. And about like a year in, we had launched and I think we had proven out our technology to be really good uh -huh. uh, and and I would say industry leading in certain ways. But I had this idea for like a better version, okay. which I thought would take like six months. And it took eight years. <laughs> and that is classic uh, yes. development problem. <laughs> yes. And the whole time I thought I was like almost done. Okay. So it wasn't just like, oh, if I knew in advance it was going to take eight years, like I could kind of plan ahead. But like I always thought I was like almost there, you know, and then I'd have to like restart over from scratch. And so cost, we didn't do a really, we, would, we didn't try that hard to expand the company. Like we got some oh. clients haphazardly, but we didn't we didn't want to make a big push because it was like, well, we got this new technology. So like we want to build every, like the new clients on the new tech stack, which is like almost done. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. let's just wait three months. Right. Um, so it was just like that for a long time, but like, thankfully about, you know, a year and a half ago or so, we really got the tech to do everything that we ever wanted it to do, which was great. Um, eighth times a charm, like almost, it literally was like almost every single year we started over from scratch. Oh my God. Um, but we got it working now and um so yeah so then we've kind of shifted into trying to be like a real company as opposed to just like a research project disguised as a company which is what we were for a long time 
Uh-huh. And, uh, and so now we, yeah, we tried to I- expand, but that's kind of like why, you know, we, we haven't grown as much, but honestly, I mean, like with the team that we have right now, I mean, we could probably double our revenue before we'd hire another person. I mean, like, cause we're still like, even with the team we have right now, we're still doing a lot of kind of porting over some of our own, like porting over some of our old products onto the new system, mm-hmm. things like that. Like we have a lot of a pretty good amount of slack in terms of like, even with the five people, cause the tech is really good. Like it, it mm-hmm. allows us to build really fast. Uh, and, um, and we just have all of our backend systems in place, like the ability to like do this, the scale, you know, spool up instances on the cloud, like debug it, make sure that we're, uh, delivering what we what we're supposed to be delivering. Like all those procedures are pretty central. So it's like, we're, we're in a good spot to, to grow even more. That's really exciting. Um, talk to me about, so I know at the very beginning you said you you wanted to get the company kicked off, so you went and got some investors. Was that your only round of funding? Have you done multiple rounds of funding as you've been growing? No, that's it. Like it was just like a small friends and family round, and that got us where we need to be because we got CBS like right off the bat. I mean, I didn't know what I was. I still don't know what I'm doing, but like I didn't know how funding works. Like I mean, I gave away like an absurd amount of the company like for like not a lot of money. Cause I didn't know anything. Yeah, I'm not sure. so so thankfully you know we've been able to just sort of uh, bootstrap since then. And we're, and we're profitable now. We're not looking to, I mean, we couldn't, like I said, it's like we could double our business with our current, with what we have. So it's, it's, we don't need to, uh, raise any money for anything. That's super cool. That's, that's amazing. And honestly, a really good place, uh, talking to a lot of people, those lean teams are sometimes the, it's the most powerful way to do it. And, um, how has it been for you? So are you like, would you call yourself like the CTO as well? Like, uh, are you doing the main development? So how has it been kind of being C- CTO, CEO, like like kind of being wearing all the shoes in this? I mean, uh, you know, as probably as you'd expect it to be, it's a little crazy. And obviously you feel the the limitations, to, like like your own limitations, right? Like, I, you know, I like to think I'm okay at, at doing, wearing a few different hats, but like you're never going to be as good as somebody who like that's what they do, right? Is like sales or they do marketing or anything else. So. Um, it's definitely been a learning process, right? Like, and you can, the scary thing is like, I look back on what I knew, let's say five years ago. And I'm just like, man, like I didn't know anything like, Mm -hmm. and I've been an entrepreneur pretty much my whole life. So this is like, I, I've pretty much just been an entrepreneur for like 20 years straight. And like, even five years ago, it's like 15 years into the process. Like I didn't know anything. Right. And now it's like, well, I feel like I know a lot more, but it's also scary because it's like, well, yeah, but like maybe five years from now, you'll be looking back and be like, my goodness, like how stupid can you be about X, Y, Z? So it's like, it's cool to feel like you're growing, but then it's also nerve wracking to be like, well, I'm, I'm sure I'm just as ignorant about like lots of different things right now. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously the more hats you wear, like the more things you're going to be a rookie right. doing. So I don't know. I, it, we, we're still here. We're in business. We're profitable. We're growing. But like, every, every day is an adventure. Yeah, it's a in, little different. Kind of in that line of thinking, right? Um, just in crazy, incredible learning curves, and like even looking back five years, you see how much you've come. What's a piece of advice that you could give to um, you know founders today that are working on an AI startup that are working on a on a company? Uh, what What's a piece of advice you might be able to give them? I mean, it's pretty, probably pretty generic, but just like customer focused, like start with the problem as much as you can. I mean, I, I, I'm like, 
I like technology. So like, I definitely get caught up in like, oh, wouldn't this be cool? And it's like, yeah, it's cool. But like, does it actually, is it going to drive value? Is it going to be easy to scale? Is it going to be, you know, all these different things, right? So yeah, I, I think, especially if you're a first time entrepreneur, like start with a really small problem and, and especially something where if, if it could be like niche, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I remember this one guy who I knew he was working as like a, just like just on spec for some project and he built this like uh some sort of system for like people who run dog kennels right okay and it was just like built it up for this guy who is who'd been an entrepreneur before and like he you know he was just hired to do it i think he did in like six months and then this company was worth like it was getting offers of like three or four million dollars you know like to do dog like because it's just like yeah, nobody else was doing it. And so like they were able to just take over the market because they had this this specific expertise, right? In this one, this person who started it was like, I know for a fact that people need it. They probably did like some pre-sales or a lot of talking to folks. But I think that um, that's definitely, that, that's that's the, one of the big mistakes I made. I, I didn't even have a client when I started this company. Mm -hmm. You know, I just was like, oh, this is cool tech, you know? And like, like I said, it was sort of a miracle that, that we got not only a client, but like CBS was a huge client. Right. And so, you know, don't rely on that miracle, right? Like you've got to try to, um, again, yeah, figure out exactly the problem that you're going to solve, which I know this is all pretty trite advice, but it, I, it's, it's common advice because it's so important, I would say. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I, I do think that is really spot on. That is really, um, that is really powerful. So if people want to uh, be able to contact you or they want to learn more about your company, perhaps they want to try it out, implement it, where yeah. can they find you? I mean, you can go to our website, infosentience.com. Um, that's, uh, I know it's a weird name. It's just uh, I-N-F-O-S-E-N-T-I-E-N-C-E. -E. And um, I'm also on LinkedIn. Those okay. are really kind of our only two places. But, uh, but yeah, you could look us up and uh, send us an email or request a demo. We have a really cool demo. Like we've shown it to, uh, I don't know, probably 60, 70 people. And the response is pretty mind blowing. That's one of the things we're super excited about with the CME thing is a lot of this technology that we've developed that's sort of behind the scenes. People are going to be able to see it firsthand and just how like flexible and interactive it is. Um, so we're excited about that. But yeah, but if you have the chance to, to see the demo, uh, I would, I would recommend it. It's, it's, it has not disappointed so far. People have been pretty blown away by it and you're going to see things that nobody else is doing. I've asked every single person that I've shown the demo to, have you ever seen anything like this? And they've all said, no, like all, I don't know how many it is now. It's like 60, 70, something like that. So if you want to see some cool AI tech, uh, in this like data generative AI space, then yeah, uh, sign up for a demo and be happy to show it to you. Super exciting. I bet you uh, will be contacted a lot. Honestly, this is something that um, is really exciting to me because it's not just a wrapper on top of OpenAI. This isn't just, a, you know, an API. To, like, you built something very unique and uh, in a very unique way. So very big kudos to you, honestly. I know you probably are like, you know, it's about time because you worked on this thing for eight years and it was always six months away. But yeah. uh, I think, you know, now is the time where AI is really taking off. Um, so I think you'll be rewarded with some pretty exciting growth on the company um, with such a really cool product. So thanks so much for coming on the podcast today with us, Steve. Um, and for listeners, thanks so much for listening to the AI Chat Podcast. I'll drop links in the description of the show to uh, Steve and to his company. 
I'm where you can find out more about that, but otherwise have an amazing rest of your day. If you are looking for an innovative and creative community of people using ChatGPT, you need to join our ChatGPT creators community. I'll drop a link in the description to this podcast. We'd love to see you there where we share tips and tricks of what is working in ChatGPT. It's a lot easier than a podcast as you can see screenshots, you can share and comment on things that are currently working. So if this sounds interesting to you, check out the link in the comment. We'd love to have you in the community. Thanks for tuning in to the AI Hustle podcast. If you could do us a massive favor, we would really, really appreciate it if you could leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. This helps people find the podcast. It helps people know this is a good place to go. And we would really, really appreciate it as it helps us continue to bring on incredible guests and share incredible content for you to listen to.